This is recording number 10775 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. This is the first message in the Tough Stuff series by Randy Bolt. It was recorded on Sunday morning, July 20, 2008. This message is titled, In His Hands. Miscarried, Aborted and Stillborn Children. In the book of Luke, we're going to be looking at the very first chapter, Luke chapter 1. Now, this morning, we're going to begin a new series of teaching. And uh, what, I want, what I feel led to sort of take on over the next probably five or six weeks uh, are issues that are not always thought of in the most pleasant terms. In fact, this series of messages is called Tough Stuff. And uh, so, so we're going to take, and the reason I felt drawn to this is because even though this, a lot of these uh, uh, issues are not things that are on the surface uh, viewed as pleasant. They are things that we all deal with. And your friends, your family, your neighbors do too. And we need God's guidance. We need to know God's heart regarding these things. And so that we're not just operating on the basis of what we think or what our neighbor thinks or what, you know, some movie star thinks that we read about in a magazine, but that we're actually uh, navigating these critical and crucial and emotional issues through our lives based on on God's word. So uh, we're going to... Today we're going to be talking about um, uh, the subject of miscarried, aborted, and stillborn children. And what, God, what God has to say about this issue. And uh, next week we're going to be talking about divorce. And you know, in the weeks to come we're going to be talking about death. And a lot of things that, that affect us all. But we often are are operating without a godly map. So uh, there you go. I said it. I'm committed. Now we're now we're engaged. About uh, let's see, it was 1980, so 28 years ago, almost 30 years ago. Sue and I were expecting our third child, and that child ended in a miscarriage, or that pregnancy (laughs) ended in a miscarriage. And uh, it was probably the toughest thing we ever went through, emotionally, to lose that child. How many in the room have been personally touched by this issue as uh, uh, someone who has lost a child personally um, by miscarriage, abortion, stillbirth, or infant death? Or, or, how, or if you were not directly involved in, in or, or this issue was, doesn't in, directly involve you in that way, you, are, um, you have a close friend or close relative who has been affected by this issue. Raise your hand. So nearly everyone in the room. And what happens is we, we tend to 
We tend to carry on and uh, try to figure out in our mind ways of coping and dealing with it and, and answering the questions that, the, the, the very serious why questions that rise as we move through it. But today I just want us to take a, and it won't take us long, but I, and it's not going to be exhaustive in any fashion, but I want us to take a look at what God has to say about these children. And I'll, now let me just uh, also acknowledge that this issue bumps up against some very tender uh, and sometimes even controversial emotions and thoughts and um, ideas. It's not my intention today to get into the whole uh, right to life debate, although this issue touches that and bumps up against it. It's likely that I may say something today that will touch a a raw uh, emotion in some of you, and it's not my intention to kind of drag out a, a, a hard or hurtful experience that, you know, you'd just as soon not be not have to deal with this morning. That's not my intention. But, but I think that God, in the midst of all of this, wants to speak something of his love and of his uh, tenderness and of his faithfulness and of his mercy and grace to each one of us. So <clears throat> follow along with me as I read from Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39. And to set the stage, this follows hard on the heels of the Annunciation. And if you're not sure what that means, don't worry. Most people don't. But the Annunciation is what theologians uh, call that uh, encounter that Mary, the mother of Jesus, had with the angel who announced to her that she was going to be with child by the Holy Spirit and give birth to the Messiah. So hard on the heels of that, that the angel instructs her to go see her cousin, um, Elizabeth, who the angel tells her is also with child. And uh, the child that her cousin Elizabeth will give birth to will be John the Baptist, kind of the forerunner of Jesus. And so verse 39 um, picks up the story when uh, Mary arrives at Elizabeth's house. Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias, that's uh, Elizabeth's husband, and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. I'm going to let that passage sort of simmer in the background while we talk about a few things. And I'll refer to it from time to time. I want to ask a series of just a few questions Uh, that I think come up in times like uh, uh, when we're dealing with um, this very uh, sometimes devastating uh, issue. And the first question is, uh, are are these um, 
what are these children? Are they just sort of blobs of tissue? Are they fetuses? Uh, Are they just a collection of divided cells? No. The Bible teaches that these children in utero, in gestation, are human beings. They're human beings. In fact, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 11... Uh, there's a, it's in the middle of a story about um, uh, a woman who is in a, um, a pre- an unplanned pregnancy, let's put it that way. And she's in, a, uh, she's in a very, very difficult situation. And the Lord meets her and, and tenderly ministers, ministers to her. The angel of the Lord says in Genesis 16 and 11, says to this woman, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. Notice that the, the angel of the Lord, and usually when you encounter that term in the Old Testament, the, the angel of the Lord, you're talking about a pre-incarnate manifestation of the Messiah, of Jesus. This is the Lord himself. And he says to her, and she's just, you know, barely along in her pregnancy, and he says, you are with child. He's describing not just a pregnancy, not just a fetus, not just a blob of tissue. He's talking about a human being. You are with child. And then in the passage that we just read, Mary uh, is described by Elizabeth as the mother of my Lord. Even though this is uh, well within the first month of her pregnancy. We don't know exactly the timetable, but it's very shortly after um, uh, the, the start of her pregnancy. So this isn't in the second or third trimester or anything like that. It's very close to the very beginning of her pregnancy. And yet already, she's described as the mother of my Lord. So in God's, um, in God's view of unborn children, they are human beings. And I know that runs contrary to a lot of what is thought in our culture. And it's like, as I said earlier today, earlier, it's not my intention today to argue against that. Simply to show you how God views these children. They are human beings. The second question that I want to deal with is, well, if they are human beings, then you know, what, is the, what is the spiritual condition that they are? What is their spiritual condition? And the Bible teaches that unborn children are spiritual beings. They're spiritual beings. In fact, in the passage we just read, when Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house and says that the babe, John the Baptist, uh, within Elizabeth's womb, jumps. He is responding to the spiritual impact of being in the presence of the, the Messiah in utero. There's a spiritual responsiveness that this babe has even in his mother's womb. And this is not some sort of isolated uh, instance. This is in the Bible to help us to understand that unborn children are spiritually responsive. More than we can understand or chart or imagine, 
or even theorize about. Uh, They also possess a spiritual identity. Look at this passage in Jeremiah uh, that where Jeremiah is describing the word of the Lord to him. This is in the first chapter of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. There is a spiritual identity that Jeremiah had fully formed in the mind of God even before he saw the light of day. A spiritual identity. The third and final question that I want to deal with this morning in this regard, and I told you that we're not going to take long with this today, has to do with the eternal destiny of these children. Well, if if there are human beings and they have a spiritual, a a God-given spiritual identity, then what about their eternal destiny? They have an eternal destiny under God's grace. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 25... Abraham is uh, uh, not. Uh, excuse me. Abraham is is kind of wrestling with God over impending judgment. God has uh, allowed Abraham to to have some advance warning about something that's going to happen. And he said, "The cities of." He's telling Abraham, "The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah have um, become so depraved, so wicked, so totally given over to sin and evil." that I'm going to withhold my, my sustaining and, and protecting of them, and judgment is going to come. They're going to bring judgment on themselves. And Abraham is arguing, well, well, God, what if there's some righteous people there? Are you going to let them suffer the consequences of the judgment? And, and, of course, God is saying no. But Abraham says these words about God that I think it's important for us to take note of in Genesis 18:25. Far be it from you, Abraham saying, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Now listen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There is no alternative route to relationship with God than through his son, Jesus Christ. So we don't get to sort of shoehorn people into heaven just because we think they should be there. There's one path to salvation, and that's Jesus Christ. There's not... You know, a variety of methods. There's one path. Jesus is the only one who bridged the gap of sin between us and God. And it's only when we welcome and receive his gift of salvation that we can walk over that bridge and have relationship with God. There's only one path. So we don't get to sort of manufacture some other alternatives. And that's not what this is about. But it is to say... That these children who are, just like all the rest of us, under the curse of sin that comes down to us through Adam's line, 
that they have not yet had an opportunity to, with, with, with their own will, rebel against God or receive his forgiveness. There's a number of places in the scripture that give us a hint about the eternal um, destiny of children who are who are um, uh, who who are who never are born or who are uh, who die or pass away as infants, and we have this uh, declaration, this strong declara- declaration from Abraham about the Judge of all the earth who will do right. We can safely trust that these children are with God and under His grace. These children have an eternal destiny. And they're not just sort of floating around in, in the ether or in the, some sort of nebulous place. In fact, 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. If our eternal destiny is, is uh, with God, there's no in-between place. Contrary to what some people believe and teach that they're, you know, well, maybe there's sort of a halfway house, you know, and you can kind of go there and fix things up before you, you know, go on to wherever you're going. The Bible teaches that we're either here or we're there or the other place. <laughs> and, and so these children, you know, if you are a, a parent or a, a person who is um, struggling today, Trying to figure out, well, what in the world happened to, to that child I never knew. Let me tell you, they're with God. They're with God. They're with God. They're under His grace and they're with Him. And I love this. They're identifiable. In, so this is one of my, well, I say this often. And just because I say it often doesn't mean it isn't true. Kind of like what I was saying earlier about, you know, that story I was reading about God and how he, you know, in this story, he's often saying, well, I'm especially fond of that one. Or I'm especially fond of that one. Well, when I say this is one of my favorite verses of scripture, just because I say that about almost every scripture I read to you doesn't mean it isn't true. I'm especially fond of Psalm 139. Verses 13 and 16 say this, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me. And that means you hovered over me. I can just see God, you know, hovering over that precious life and shaping it, even in its mother's womb, his or her mother's womb. You saw my, I, my substance being yet unformed, and in your book, my substance, get this, now, you saw my substance unformed, but in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God... Um, has a uh, uh, this? He has everything about you already understood, already planned, already decided. The makeup of who you are, your unique qualities and characteristics, God already knows that. Even those children who pass from this life before there's much formed in terms of the physiology. God already has that mapped out and planned. And we, we don't really know what, what we, in eternity, as we are with God in heaven, we don't really know what kind of actual form we take there. 
But whatever it is, we are identifiable. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. You know, uh, uh, when I was describing earlier that child that Sue and I lost through miscarriage, we'd already given him or her a name. We don't know the sex of that child, but we'd already decided that what, what that child's name was going to be. And we were going to call him or her Christian. And, you know, we, after the miscarriage, we were kind of struggling with a lot of these questions. Well, what are we supposed to think about this child? And, and it led us to a lot of the uh, study that I'm doing with you this morning. And we came to realize, well, that, that child, God knows that child. And he knows that child fully formed. He'd already planned and purposed everything about that child before. Before, it was for, before he or she was formed in the womb. And so now as that child is with God, in whatever form that takes, he or she is fully formed. And then we started to realize, well, then that child really is no different in ultimately. And of course, there, I don't want to be weird or odd about this, but of course, but, you know, ultimately that child is no different than our other three. And God allowed us to give birth to, the, birth to that child, even though he or she was short-circuited into, into eternity. Thank God they didn't have to pass through all the garbage that we have to go through. And they just went straight to the presence of the Lord. Makes me jealous a little bit. But that child is just like the other three. So we chose to, in our minds... Now, when you ask me how many children I have, I don't say four. I don't, you know, but, but we really do have four kids. Dayspring, Shiloh, Christian, and Jeremy. And one day getting ahead of myself, but one day I'm going to meet Christian. There's much um, sadness and, and uh, can be grief and uh, heartache that can be associated with uh, the experience of losing any child. But I think it's good for us to know that God knows them and he knows their name and that every child is beloved. The last thing I want to uh, talk to you about or mention this morning in this regard is that with regard to these children's eternal destiny, we will be reunited with them. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, David, who had a child who died um, shortly after birth, uh, said these words. He had been fasting and and uh, praying and just praying his heart out to God that God would spare the life of this child. And, it's, and I, I told you there's a lot of subjects that, that this one that we're dealing with this morning bumps up against that I, I, I don't have time to deal with. And this is one of those subjects. You know, why does this happen? Why are children you know, miscarried or stillborn or die as infants? That's a whole other story, that, an issue that we can't really address this morning. But nonetheless, David, who was pouring his heart out to God and asking him to spare the life of this child, the child finally passed into the presence of the Lord. And David got up from his fasting and, 
and began to carry on with his life and his servants and those who were attending him were kind of shocked at this quick transformation and change that came over David. And this, this was David's response. He said, But now he's dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David was saying, Look, I'm going to carry on with my life because one day there's going to be a, a reuniting. I'm going to him. And those of us who have experienced this personally, who have lost a child by one of these means, there's going to be a grand reunion. I have a brother uh, whose name is Roger. I've never seen him because he never came home from the hospital. But one day I will. It brings me a lot of comfort. And it talks to me about, about the magnificence of God. And as we close, I'm going to ask you to set your things aside and to stand with me. Because I believe that there are some of us in this room. I believe that there's some of us in this room who, uh, if you'll allow it, God can bring a measure of comfort to a place in your life that's never been fully resolved. A measure of heartache, uncertainty, even some grief. And the Lord wants to meet you there now and heal that part of your life that has not yet been fully um, healed. But I'm also asking you to stand and join with me in prayer because I believe that there are others in this room who feel spiritually miscarried. Spiritually aborted. Spiritually stillborn. You've come to understand that spiritual life is really what it's all about. But you also have become painfully aware of the fact that somewhere along the line, that process of spiritual development in your life ended prematurely and you are aware this morning that your relationship with God is not fully formed well I want to tell you today on the basis of God's word that we've been looking at this morning that the God in heaven who shaped you who was fashioning you who was recording your future while you were in your mother's womb he was also recording your spiritual uh, condition and your spiritual makeup and his intentions for you were not that that process would be uh, interrupted by either you or anyone else and he is available to you this morning to bring to full closure, to full form, everything, all of his intentions for you. And I want to pray for all of us this morning that we would, each of, each of us, allow the God who hovered over us in our mother's womb, interested and, and, and uh, devoted to every aspect of our life. I want to just welcome him to finish what he's begun, to bring to full completion according to the plans that he laid every aspect of our